0: The Missouri General Assembly special session ended abruptly last week without lawmakers passing key elements of Governor Mike Parsons' agenda. It was a surprise to members of both political parties, including Democratic State Representative Rachel Proudy. The Ferguson Democrat joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to reflect on the special session's impact and issues revolving around St. Louis County government. Let's hit the Music.
1: is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. Well, we want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked
0: hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me via Zoom is St. Louis Public Radio State House correspondent,
2: Jacqueline Driscoll.
0: And joining us also via Zoom, uh, the state representative for the 73rd House District. Did I get the number right, Representative? You did. You did. That is uh, State Representative Rachel Proudy joining us for the second time since uh, 2019. Representative, we have a lot to talk about on this show, and I'm really excited that you're back on. I want to spend the first part of the show talking about the recently concluded special session dealing with violent crime And I'm actually going to turn this over to Jacqueline because she's done most of the reporting on this. So I want to give her uh, most of the questioning on this topic.
2: So this was not my first special legislative session in Missouri, but it was very unique. It lasted longer than I think anyone anticipated. Um, When the Senate first passed that big omnibus bill over, then the House kind of blew it up yesterday. Um, we're taping this on Thursday. So on Wednesday, the House abruptly ended it by not calling any of those uh, pieces of legislation sent back from the Senate. Um, as a representative, I realize you are in the minority party, but have you spoken to anyone? What happened? And, and I wanted to get your take on what transpired.
1: So last year, um, you'll recall, you know, my caucus, our caucus, the Democratic caucus in the House, we were calling for a special session to address Uh, violent crime. Specifically, um, there were a number of very unfortunate, very tragic deaths of children um, in St. Louis City specifically um, that caught national attention. In fact, um, we were told or the response to that ask was that a special session was not the place to handle or to deal with that particular issue um, as far as addressing uh, gun violence, violent crime. Um, So it was very interesting to note um, that that was the call this time. Um, Within it, of course, two of the the biggest hot-button issues were the the children thing. So I got (laughs) tens of thousands, literally, of emails from pretty much everywhere um, concerned about whether or not 12-year-olds can be tried as an adult, which is a thing already um, in statute. Um, but it did get attention, and honestly, I'm I'm glad it did. You know, we absolutely need to do something with that 12-year-olds are not adults, no matter how we certify them, in my opinion. Um, and I mean, biologically and technically. Um, but what garnered the most, uh, nice play on words there, but what garnered the most attention um, nationwide was the bill going after Kim Gardner. Um, and... What surprised me in in this very hyper partisan um, situation we have here being that we have a presidential election in about six and a half weeks uh, was the response and sort of support not so much for um, the prosecuting attorney um, of St. Louis City but for the institution for having elections for you know really maintaining and keeping and valuing and, and allowing individuals for to vote for the elected officials of their choice, no matter how you feel about them or what have you, the response by you know prosecutors from all over the state, no matter their party of saying that this bill was was a bad idea and it was terrible and it was um, particularly coming off her just winning and I mean winning winning an election in St Louis City um, to continue to, really specify one out of all of the prosecutors we have across the state is a big deal. It is important. It was remarkable. And I really, and I can't stress this enough, though I don't live in St. Louis City, I can't stress how much I appreciate. Um, I'm just proud of the House. I'm I'm proud of, of the House on yesterday. It was a big deal. And I really do commend, if it means anything, um, the Speaker of the House for not not calling that up.
2: Leading into my next question there, I've had very little communication with Republican leadership in the House outside of a statement that was issued on Wednesday at the conclusion of session. Have you spoken to anyone on the other side of the aisle? Um, Was this some kind of message being sent to the governor? Um, I mean, this was an abrupt ending and nothing that, I mean, that started this session outside of the residency requirements and the Witness Protection Program got completed.
1: So ultimately, I believe that was initially the point of it, and I mean, to that end, you know, our caucus leadership, she's right in stating, and I'm sure we'll get to that, just how scattered it was. We weren't sure specifically what about violent crime was going to be addressed when when the call went out, and then um, there was the amendment about the prosecutor, the city prosecutor of the city of St. Louis. I'm sorry, prosecutor, and then. You know, we couldn't do that at that particular point in the session because that wasn't the scope of the session, then we extended special session to address that specifically And then it didn't even come up again in the House and therefore died. So it was, I'm not really sure. Honestly, I haven't spoken to Republican leadership or Republican membership about that specifically But I mean, just on the outside looking in, and in this case, I would be on the outside looking in as far as that particular caucus. I can't put my thumb on what happened. I'm just glad it did. As you mentioned,
2: the minority House leader, Crystal Quaid, did speak to the press after the conclusion of session talking about um, just really saying how there wasn't really a focus. So let's hear from her. For us, it's been, since the beginning of this special session, how there has not really been any true direction. You know, the the bill started in the House, and then things changed, or I'm sorry, in the Senate. There were some votes that people were really frustrated they had to take, and then they came over here, everything changed in the House. And so I think for us, it's been this the fact that there has been no clear, consistent plan, and no clear, consistent want out of the Republican caucuses um, that align with the governor's priorities. And so when it came specifically specifically to House Bill 2, um, you know, it was a question up until obviously we gaveled in and gaveled out, but we still had no idea if it was coming up at all. Um, and I don't know many of the Republican caucus members who knew either. And House Bill 2, she was referring to, that was originally a bill, a bill that dealt with admissibility of certain witness statements, and then it morphed into, in the Senate, adding on the concurrent jurisdiction, allowing the Attorney General to try... Uh, murder cases in St. Louis, um, that sentiment that you heard from uh, House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid, I mean, was that a feeling that was felt throughout the Democrats
1: in the House? Uh, yes, it, yes to that. But in addition, I think when we gabbled out, the reaction in the House period um, sort of spoke to that. Everybody was kind of like, whoa, so, I mean, <laughs> and I jokingly said that the, the applause that was given after we gathered. out was longer than session itself. <laughs> Though I saw it and you know heard it, I could only just turn around because, of course, I'm a freshman legislator still. Like you guys, what happened? So are we coming back? And they're like, no, we're done. I'm like, like we're done. Done? Are we coming back like next week? Like what is you know? Just I mean, and it's not just me. It was you know Republican friend. We had like no idea. It was it was like I said, pretty remarkable. But I think that tells just how um, maybe not pointed or focused that session actually was because on both sides of the aisle, um, when we gabbled out, that was really a telltale of, of just kind of shock and what's next, what do we do?
2: I, you know, We heard from House Minority Leader Crystal Clay that she thought it was a waste of time, a waste of money. Um, but what do, you, what do you want to see happen in the general session?
1: I always uh, come back to when I was a candidate. I come back to this time two years ago, and it you know, I wanted to be in the building because I wanted to make a difference. I'd never see uh, being called to that building as a waste of time. Um, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. If the call goes out for us to be in session, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there without complaint. I'm going to show up because that you know, whether I agree with it or not is the job. So I don't see it as a waste of time. However, um, and I mean, yes, we should absolutely deal with violent crime. That That is a thing. Um, and if we are serious about doing that, then we have to have a, a, a pointed approach, which was absent from this one. I do think, however, that, yes, we should have had a special session, given that regular session this year was, you know, shortened substantially because of, of COVID, um, and that's what we should have come back to address. There's this big, you know, looming issue that is, you know, popping up specifically here, um, in in St. Louis County, but all over the place about children returning back to school, sports getting some kind of guidance or not, and if you know, because they're not getting it, having someone. Um, on higher levels explain specifically why. Um, and, and, and in fairness, and I don't intend to speak for or for anyone in any position whose job it is to speak to these issues. But what I can say is, in Missouri, when it comes to um, school districts um, or, or areas, it's a very localized system, for better or for worse. Um, and the governor did he gave the counties the ability to decide contingent upon what's going on in their specific counties how to do that i think having a a special session to to deal with that because it's a huge deal and to sort of brace ourselves for what may or may not happen but you i would rather be over prepared than under prepared knowing that we're going into cold and flu season um We're not over the hump of COVID just because we're tired of it does not mean it's tired of us, um, obviously. And so I think we absolutely needed to be back in special session, just not for what we did here um, this particular time.
0: I was talking with Senator Brian Williams before the special session started, and he was trying to refocus the conversation on overhauling police practices and doing things that a lot of people protesting the, the killing of black people by police have been demanding for a while, and he basically said that, like engendering trust between black people and police goes hand in hand with solving violent crime. so I'd be interested in your perspective about that because that was a common criticism
1: of this special session. You can't have one without the other, especially in as I've, I've understand it, the only uh minority and I despise the word minority, but minority majority county in the entirety of the state. You don't get to separate those parts and then say you're addressing violent crime. But in addition to that, you don't exclude the individuals that are elected to represent these places from that conversation. Right. You, you have to include them. I mean, and it's not like they're ignoring it. If you're not going to consider their legislation, if you're not going to hear from them or invite them to things when you come to their city, um, to be a part of that conversation, and I don't mean just at the table, I mean you know we can sit at the proverbial table and watch people eat. It doesn't benefit us any, um, but really to include them in the conversation to address their needs until we're talking about doing that not just for a special session but in spe- in session in general, then we're not ever going to solve this problem of of violent crime um, you know. Over policing and more policing that has not solved the problem and and people can take that from me. I live in Ferguson, third ward of Ferguson at that. I grew up here. I represent about half of it. That does not work. It has not worked where we don't have residency requirements. We don't have them here. And so we have to think of another way to do these things. Um, The tone has changed from when, and I remember you know, and I actually escorted the governor in when he did the state of the state address my first year, and one of the things he said that I was like, okay, okay, I, I, this could, you know, we can we can probably get some things done, was um, that that sort of dedication to criminal justice reform. Um, it looks remarkably different, and it it touches you different now because it doesn't seem like that's the same. Something, you know, and obviously, and I'm, I'm going to say that that something is, you know, it's election season. Um, but that has changed substantially from my first session when we don't just lock people up because we're mad. And I, I remember that I held on to that um, because it's been something, and I can at least credit him for that because it's something I agree with him on. We don't just lock people up because we're mad at them. Um, you know, the justice part of criminal justice is the action piece. And I think that's missing when we're only talking about we're just going to increase the number of police. And when, you know, things aren't moving fast enough, whether there's enough evidence or not, we're just going to take over cases where we have an elected person. Like that's not, none of those things are criminal justice reform and none of those things will resolve the matter of violent crime. So I do agree with with Senator Williams 100% with that.
0: We'll be right back after this short break with State Representative Rachel Proudy. And we're back on Politically Speaking with State Representative Rachel Proudy. So we're going to move on to county politics, specifically St. Louis County politics. I want to start with the early childhood education tax. For people that listen to the show, we had Councilwoman Lisa Clancy on. She talked about that proposal for about 20 or 25 minutes. And I want to make sure to get another perspective about that, because you had been very critical of her for handling that. I want to just give you kind of a general opportunity to explain why you didn't particularly like that proposal.
1: Sure. So in the first place, and I I have to throw this out, I don't know um, these individuals personally, so it's not personal. My job in the first place, um, as a taxpaying resident of St. Louis County, which is the first, um, besides being a registered voter, but the first and foremost requirement of my job is to make sure that I am a taxpayer here. Um, so I don't know them personally. It's not anything personal. I don't have a personal problem with them as individuals. I have a problem with the legislation. And so when I first heard about this uh, bill, I saw it in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I believe Um So it was the first time I'd heard of it, and actually another rep shared it. It said education on it, so I clicked on it. I am a career educator. um, For those who are are familiar with me, it's what I do. And in fact, I had to resign from a school district the day before I was sworn into office uh, because of statute. Um, But I am an educator, it's what I do. Um, And so I looked into it. I am um, a huge supporter of early childhood education, not just 3-5, but 0-5. one of the first questions I had was just about the bill in general. It was, it was really quick from, I just we're going to put this on the ballot. Now, so it struck me as odd. I, I actually posted that day, I had questions about it. Um, the county chairwoman said that she would, for whatever reason, she wasn't tagged to it, but said stated rather she would uh, be willing to answer any questions. The question started, that willingness came to a close very quickly. Um, I was able to get my hands on the bill and I started reading it and cross-reference it with the statute that was cited in it. Um, and so it's an economic development tax. The, the statute, the state statute was never intended for uh, education purposes. That was not the point of the statute. That's not what the statute is for. And so uh, many of the, the things that were put into the planning for the bill dealt with uh, economic development, but had nothing to do with with uh, education. So that those aren't things required by law. But that's what the law is about. The um, statute that they cited. So the second thing is is that you know it wasn't any clear and concise uh, sort of description of how these funds and I think it's upwards of eighty million dollars in perpetuity, how that would be uh, handled, managed, overseen. Um, You know, it was establishment of some board, like another level of bureaucracy, um, a nonprofit at the time that didn't have a name. So that was already sketchy to me. Within that, because one of the biggest, you know, arguments, particularly for individuals who are staunchly um, traditional public schools, is that level of transparency. So in that bill, the reporting language is in RSMO uh, 67.130517. And it says, no later than the first day of March, each year the board, um, the appointed board, not the elected board, uh, shall submit to the Joint Committee on Economic Development a report not exceeding one page and like, I mean, and it goes on and on and on. Um, and it, it describes, you know, the statements that would be needed. None of them are education, by the way. The issue immediately with that party is, is that um, there is no, no joint committee on economic development. It does not exist. And in fact, um, it expired 10 years ago. Um, and the statute that created the joint committee on economic development Um, has been taken out of statute. So there was nowhere even for these financial reports to go, which poses a problem because you're talking about public funds. And so there was nothing created, obviously, because the county cannot create state statute to like supplement that or to trade that out as to say this is where these financial reports will go so that right there in a nutshell was the the problem for me so when talking to some members of these groups when they were talking about you know training educators and making sure that this was of quality and that was of quality that's not in the statute and it wasn't in the bill what was clear was that it can go outside of st louis county and it can be used for things like buildings and there was no mandate really on it being used for educational purposes. When questions started flying on who wrote the bill, why did the bill change from what um, this organization initially had, and when it changed and you didn't support it, why did you continue to push the bill forward? None of those questions were answered. So it wasn't so much as an attack on what the stated purpose was or the individuals themselves, and it's not like um, the elected individuals who I, you know, we are entitled to question and are entitled to answers, they had ample opportunity to answer these questions and elected not to. So when, when people are saying things like, oh, there's a lot of conspiracy theories and et cetera, you kind of have to blame yourself for that when you didn't take or, or use this opportunity to answer questions um, I mean, in fair questions, questions to which the public are entitled, you just chose not to answer them. That's how that those things get started. We have 88 municipalities here. Each of them are able to set, you know, sales taxes to address their specific needs in their municipality, okay? And so there are a myriad of concerns when it comes to talking about Increasing sales taxes on various things here in North County, because it looks different than it does in South Maplewood. I don't live there. And so when we're talking about community. Yes, the broader community of the St. Louis region or the broader community of St. Louis County. But if we're being very specific. I live in North St. Louis County. I don't you know my constituents really could not afford um, this this tax increase. And as far as to leaving kids with those grandparents and stuff, as far as daycare and daycare licenses are concerned, I'm pretty sure we'll find that here and where I live around my way, that's who has those daycare licenses. And I can assure you they weren't going to benefit from this tax increase.
0: So that's a good segue into our next clip from Councilwoman Rita Days, former state senator, who talked with some of the advocates beyond just Councilwoman Clancy. Going to your point, she said like sales taxes right now in the era of COVID is a bad idea. It's regressive and you're not going to get as much money because of COVID. This is what she had to say about the way forward on this issue.
1: They want quality early childhood education for every child. And and they just were not Uh, 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 aware of how to go about it. I think a lot of people have given them these ideas and they just kind of grasp them uh, and and really not knowing the the details and all of that. And so I think there's a little naivete in in how they're operating. But I found them to be very open and, and willing to listen to, uh, to what others had to say, uh, they had a hearing up there in Jefferson City, and uh, I think Rep. Representative Chappelle, Nadal, as well as Representative Proud said, you know what, we believe in this, and what we need to do is help you come together with a different revenue source to get this done.
0: So she was referring to the fact that uh, there was a joint committee with your committee that you chair, as well as the Education Committee, and I think that the next question is, can the state legislature passed something, a better plan, a more pinpointed plan that actually gets to what the advocates of this want.
1: So I don't disagree that we absolutely need to do more on the state level for the the for this matter without question. There's no argument there at all. And so the hearing was, you know, twofold one. Yes, it was a, a fact-finding mission because I think that's imperative to know what groundwork, especially for something that's time, you, know, you do wanna do this as quickly as possible so that you can catch in and be of assistance to as many children and families as possible. Um, so to know what groundwork has been covered, who did what, it's like there's a lot of hands to on this project. I'm not really sure where the initiative started, um, but it is a lot of moving parts the advocates who came down to testify, and I do sincerely appreciate them for having done so, um, they weren't sure where their ask changed and evolved and morphed into this bill. Uh, I certainly don't put forth any legislation given to me without knowing who wrote it or or what's in it and the shortcomings. You know, if I don't do that, I don't put a bill forward, Um, just a rule of thumb for me personally. But, you know, within that, I would agree with with Senator Days again on this point in that it seems like, one, and I hate to call folks naive and, you know, because it sounds to me like they know very specifically what they want and that it's our duties, not just on the state level, because if we're going to carry this on the county level, to my point, you need to know which directions to go. And sometimes, um, and I and I listen to to Chairwoman Clancy and say it's easy to say no, it's not. It's, it's very difficult to say no. It's very easy to ignore and not answer. Um, no is an answer. But it's not always going to be you or me or any individual person that's going to be the best suited to handle or tackle or take care of a problem because when it comes to things like this, especially if you're going to continue to say to Black, and brown women and people that you're doing something for black and brown people um, at least does not work. You cannot come to the 73rd district and tell me that you're gonna do, at least I'm doing something for your community, that's not gonna work. We don't do at least here. We give it the best that we have to give and we do things right so that it can be viable. So that's the first thing. In the first place, no one, you know, now that the bill has failed, is okay. Well, we we could use the state's help, and of course, I'm more than willing to do that. I wish it would have been done in the first place. Um, it was peculiar to me that you know Senator Days articulated her being told that the bill was something, and and as a senator, she was the first black senator in St. Louis County, um, the first black woman elected in St. Louis County um, when she was in the house. So and and. Councilwoman Rochelle Walton Gray did eight years in the House as well. So on either side of you, you have, you know, two black moms who are from North St. Louis County, who have done work in the state legislature that you could have gone to for assistance on this initiative that, you know, for whatever reason, that wasn't the, that wasn't the move. What we do have here in St. Louis County is, is an infrastructure Within special school district and something we can put on the ballot, given that they have a surplus of three hundred million dollars, they have the largest imbalance in the state of any functioning school district. I can see the advantage of that in that you know around that age when when so many children you can see the onset of so many um, learning or cognitive um, mobile. Um, motor and in, in a variety of other, you know, disorders or, or impairments or differences or needs. Um, you see that during that age and there's no better staff um, that you can ask for than that those that are trained in special education. So that's the thought. We also have a children's services fund. Mm-hmm. And when people are starting to sunshine request and get those numbers about where those services are going, um, one of the, the places that I've was taken aback that it wasn't. You know, I represent a large portion in almost most of Berkeley, Missouri. And to see what services they were getting compared to what I am well aware of the need was also sort of of jarring.
0: Yeah, Senator Days made a similar point that a lot of money from the Children's Services Fund is not going to the first and fourth county districts, but continue. Agreed.
1: Agreed. Um, I was a school counselor at Riverview Gardens and remember, you know, now mind you, in the middle school that I was the school counselor at, those students at that time, some of those students actually watched um, or saw Michael Brown, you know, laying in the hot August sun for four hours. And, and you know, a lot of what happened went on. These kids are experiencing that trauma we like to fundraise off of, right? And they pull those counselors from there. And that's an area where they absolutely need them. Not just so much to virtue signal that we, you know, one of the things that I find interesting when we are talking about these matters is we talk about them. So, so many of us with the platform talk about them separate without the invitation or drawing in of the individuals who actually live and represent and serve these areas. You don't get to skip those folks and then start, you know, throwing out what, what this Institute said about this, that, and the other. My doctoral dissertation is it on, it's qualitative. That means I had to go and ask people. I don't just need a whole bunch of numbers and and, and you know go forth and start presenting information as if I've heard from these folks. Um, it's interesting that we kind of we we're here to cite the, the Ferguson Commission report and with all due respect to the work that they do. It's easier to do that than actually come to Ferguson and talk to people who are living um, this situation and then governing and orienting our approach to what they're saying they need um numbers are fine you know I'm a data person and multivariate statistics are my thing however it's different when you're actually listening and seeing what's here and then you know governing your approach contingent upon need I don't need the 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 county chair counselor council chairwoman to tell me what's going on in the black community I'm a black woman here in Ferguson Missouri um I just wish that we we Reached out to each other, um, or that there was some kind of when you notice that you probably aren't the best person for something to pass it to where it would do the most good, and we can achieve that goal. So
0: I want to, in the last few minutes, I do want to talk about another place in your district that you talk about a lot, and that's Kenlock. And uh, there was recently a very successful cleanup event that you organized, which brought in Republicans and Democrats to clean up this historically black town, and. It was a really good event, but I got the sense from watching your social media that this is like the first step of many to do something about this town. So, I'd like to give you a few minutes about like what you would want either from the state or county or city because the city of St. Louis owns a lot of property there. What what would you want to see to make sure that this isn't just a dumping ground that could be a, you know, a place where people want to live again?
1: Kenlock, Missouri is the oldest black municipality in the state of Missouri. Um, it is near and dear to my heart, not just because it's in my district or I grew up walking distance from it or that I have relatives that, that are from there. I love that place. Um, I love that place. I love what it is, what it was, and more importantly, what it can be. Um, and that's why my interest is in it. I, I, what, if you want to make me you know, spitting mad, um, say something about it not being a lot of people there and in, in, in as much it's a waste of time to concentrate on or focus on it, that that, that will get a rise out of me if anybody's interested. Um, what is heartbreaking about it is, is that right, just there is a multi-government failure that, that is taking place there. And what's interesting about that is that when folks were saying, you know, the county didn't have a right to speak to what was going on with airport privatization, I beg to differ um, because they own property in Kenlock that they are not tending to. There is no excuse for it because if it was a property or a house or something that was owned within city proper and it was an abundance of trash put there, and it does not matter who put the trash there, the city's going to have something to say about it. They're going to fine, they're going to send you to court, or they're going to take your property. Um, it's tax exempt property. I mean, it's just sitting there and I'm assuming there's something to do with uh, them holding on because I, I, I'm very curious as to if this is how you're going to treat this property, then why not sell it? I'm thinking it may have something to do with the bond, et cetera, but um, it looks remarkably different than the parcels that they own in Bridgeton. And it's a slap in the face because I have people that live, I have constituents there, people live there. And when I'm there and I on every Thursday, every Thursday, um, like I did this this morning, I go out and I deliver, you know, water, food, and other goods to some seniors in the district, and and there are there are about seven or eight that I have there. Um, when I see the ambulance struggling to get down the street to get to one of them, it it makes me panic. Um it's terrifying. And it's trash on St. Louis City property. And in the meantime, while we're you know going back and forth about privatization, and I'm going to be honest with you, I really don't care who owns it. I just want whoever owns whose name is on this property here to come clean it up. Um, same with with St. Louis um, County uh, Trust property. Um, we have got a new Department of Revenue director, and I've, I've had a brief conversation with him. But we have to be responsible for it with the understanding if for nothing else that people live here, um, I am happy that the attorney general was able to come out and some of my Republican colleagues to see if it's something that we can do legislatively to hold, you know, the government entities that that bear response, some responsibility in this space, hold them accountable um, because they're not, you know, really responding. They have not responded to being asked nicely.
0: Do you have any clue why it's become a dumping ground? Like, why is it, why does this keep happening? That's what I'm interested in.
1: A myriad of things. Um, you know, it's no secret that, that for a rotation of mayors um, and, and even, you know, fire chiefs slash mayors, there has been political corruption abound. And it's very difficult, even from that. It's it's hard for this little municipality to hold a juggernaut of a city slash county accountable and responsible. It's very hard to navigate too, um, as far as holding someone accountable or not, as I understand it, which is true because I just sunshine requested the information about five or six years ago. You know, the city of St. Louis, for example, did you know attempt to sue one of the main dumpers in Kenlock. And the previous county prosecutor, Bob McCullough, you just could not be bothered with it. Which turns my stomach, by the way. Because again, there are people who live here and when we could have done something about, you know, the filth, he chose not to. Um, for whatever reason now, and I've, I've spoken with, with Director Hamnabrigi about this, there's no excuse for you all not to continue to have done that. You were told no this time, we've had a new county prosecutor going on three years now, there's no excuse. Um, It was very difficult to get um, participation from St. Louis County. It was very difficult to to get um, the city to participate. So to the point that that, um, our county chairwoman said the work doesn't happen on social media, I disagree with her because if it wasn't for social media at all, that cleanup we had would not have happened. Um, It was a call to action. Um, And and certainly our constituents, our neighbors, would rather, you know, the work be done on social media than in back rooms and behind closed doors.
0: Well, as I mentioned before, it was a very wonderful event that I saw on social media. And I hope that there is a permanent solution to this, to where you don't have to keep doing this, because it's not just because I'm a historical buff and this is a historical place. As you mentioned, people live here people should not have to deal with this. So I'm glad we got a few minutes on the show for you to talk about this because I think it's really important.
1: And I know my neighbors appreciate it too. Thank you.
0: So uh, thank you very much. Representative we will be having you back because you are, don't have an opponent in this year's election, which is kind of one of the reasons we're having you on so we don't have to bring your opponent on. And I
1: am very grateful. I thank you to the people of the 73rd District. I really hope Um, that I earned your trust and I appreciate you all giving me the opportunity to continue to serve you in this capacity. I really do. Thank you.
0: So for all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Jacqueline, how can people follow you on Twitter?
2: At Driscoll NPR.
0: And representative, how can people follow you either on Twitter or any other parts of the World Wide Web?
1: Easy peasy lemon squeezy at R.C. Prouty. Um, On Facebook, it will take you right to me. On Twitter, it'll take you right to me. On Instagram, it will take you right to me. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Until next time, so long.